Happy Easter. Oh, it's my favorite holiday, by the way. I love it. It's warm out. We get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's not much better, really. And uh, I get to preach, so that's pretty cool. Um, for anyone that doesn't know me, my name is Chris. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of people in this room that I don't know, so I'd love to get to know you uh, after the service. Um, so feel free to shake my hand and we can chat. Um, on Friday, we spent the morning here remembering Good Friday. What is Good Friday, Good Friday all about? Why is it called good? Well, Jesus had to die in order for us to have the resurrection. Good Friday had to happen in order for Sunday, in order for today to happen. On Friday, we remembered the sacrifice made for all of us. Jesus, who the night before broke bread with his 12 disciples during the Passover celebration, was arrested, tried, and sentenced to death on the cross. This death was the most brutal way to die in history. Jesus, the only person who was perfect, the Son of God, died. Why did he die? He had to die so that we could be reconciled to God. God, because of his love for us, because of his grace for us, which is completely and utterly undeserved, wanted a way for us to be connected to himself. Instead of programming us to simply love him, he provided a bridge between him and us. This bridge was only available because of God's own son, Jesus, dying on the cross. Due to sin, something that God cannot be near, something that all of us have on a regular basis, we need a way to achieve relationship to God. Jesus died so that all who believe could live with God eternally. That is what Good Friday is about. Jesus' death. It is called good because of what it allowed, our bridge to God, the only bridge to God. We can only achieve salvation through Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross, and through the conquering of death and sin during the resurrection. Jesus died, something that remember on Good Friday. Three days pass, and all hope is lost in those days, but then the greatest miracle in human history, the most important moment happens. Jesus, through the power of God, comes back to life, conquers death, conquers sin, and rises from the dead. He proceeds to reveal himself to several people during the 40 days and then is brought up to heaven where today he is and where one day he will return. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Without the resurrection, there is no salvation. Without Jesus' death, there is no resurrection. We need both. We celebrate and we remember both. And today we get to celebrate the resurrection. Today we get to think about what the resurrection means for us. In order to discuss what the resurrection means, I want us to picture ourselves in the life of one of the most well-known disciples. One of Jesus' closest earthly confidants, Peter. As we put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, I want us to think about what does the resurrection mean for us. All of us here fall into one of three uh, categories. And I want you to think about which category you fall into. And this is between you and God. Nobody else has to know. The first category is that you're a Christ follower. Maybe you've been a Christian your entire life. You became a Christian at a young age. You've always lived for, for Christ. Maybe you've been a Christian for the last 15 years and are continuing to grow your faith. 
Maybe you've recently become a Christian and are trying your absolute best through the grace of God to live out your Christian life. This category is anyone that can honestly say they are a Christian. You believe wholeheartedly and you live it out in faith. If this is you this morning, I have a story of somebody that can relate to that. The second category that I think many of us fall into is on the bubble. This one's a little bit scary because I think there are people here that fall into this category but don't actually realize that they are. Maybe you say something along the lines of, I think I believe in God, but I don't really live out a relationship with him. Maybe you say um, all the right things, have, have the head knowledge, but don't actually believe and are just living out the motions. Maybe you believe in God, maybe you even accepted Christ, but spend most of your time not living out the Christian life, the Christian faith. If we asked your family, your coworkers, your friends, if they knew you were a Christian, many of them wouldn't know. This one is challenging, and I in no way am saying this to be judgmental, but I think it's, it's good to determine where we, might, uh, where we might fall in order to move forward. I fell into this category for a long time in my life, and it is only by the grace of God that I am even standing here today. If this is true for you this morning, I have a story of somebody that can relate to that. Finally, maybe you are in the category of a non-believer. You say something along the lines of, nope, I don't, believe in God. I don't believe in God. I'm only here because my family wanted me to come. Or something like, this whole thing is a bunch of made-up stuff and I'm bored. You don't believe. If that is you this morning, I also have a story for you of a person who can relate to that. Regardless of where you are at, I want to tell you a story of a person that can relate to every single one of us here this morning. That can relate to all of us, even at different stages of our own lives. Peter, Jesus' best friend, the disciple many scholars say was in the innermost circle of Jesus' ministry, the person that always seemed to be there for Jesus' most well-known miracles, the disciple that fought for Jesus, that ditched his career and family to follow Jesus, the disciple that even after spending three full years as Jesus' best friend, upon Jesus' arrest, denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. The disciple that after Jesus died went back to his old life as a fisherman. Finally, the disciple who Jesus revealed himself to after his resurrection, after conquering sin and death itself. The disciple that could be redeemed and forgiven by the Son of God in one of the most powerful moments in the Bible. I think in many ways, each story here relates to all of us in some ways. For some, we might resemble Peter's entire life of before God, with God, doubting God, giving up on God, and finally being redeemed by God. For some of us, we might still be in denial, which we will talk about a lot more this morning. Some of us might be in relationship with God. Some of us might not have any desire for a relationship with God at all. Regardless of where you are at, the life of Peter is one that each one of us can look at and put ourselves in his shoes. Peter's life teaches us that Jesus came for him just as much as he came for each and every one of us. The resurrection and the story of Peter during this time is a glimpse into why Jesus had to die and then be resurrected. Jesus came for Peter just as, just as much as he came for all of us. We do, however, have to choose to accept Jesus, as Peter shows us. Peter's relationship with Jesus, um, as I said, looks like a lot of ours here. How does it begin? Jesus reveals himself to Peter. In Matthew 4, 18 to 20, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus reveals himself to Peter here. And what does Peter do? He immediately follows Jesus. Keep this in mind. This experience happens later in Peter's life. This poses the first question for us, and I don't want to touch on it for a long time. I've got a lot more to get to, but it brings up an important question about our relationship with Jesus. Do you follow Jesus right away? When Jesus reveals himself to you, when you hear about Jesus, do you drop everything and run to him, no matter the consequences? Or do you put that knowledge behind you and say, oh, I'll deal with that later, or oh, I don't really believe? Peter was ready to follow Jesus at the beginning of his relationship with the Son of God. Are you ready? As we continue the story of Peter, and remember, I'm trying to summarize a lot of this. If you want to look at many more stories of, of Peter and Jesus and their relationship, the Gospels are filled with, uh, with many of these stories. Peter journeys with Jesus during the three-year earthly ministry that we see in the Bible. Peter is constantly right beside Jesus, but is also the one that always seems to question Jesus. I think this also sounds familiar. How many times do we question Jesus in our own lives? Do we wonder what Jesus is doing in our lives? Whether we have a relationship with Jesus or not, every one of us here questions Jesus. Some big questions, some smaller questions, but questions nonetheless. Whatever we question, and I think all of us do, and Peter did, as we dive into the truth of Jesus, answers are revealed. Faith is a huge part of this. We have to choose to believe in this truth. Peter did. We will learn a little bit more that this faith is challenged and he slips. But then because of the resurrection, Peter is redeemed, forgiven, made right with Jesus, and once again transformed. Regardless of what you are questioning this morning, my challenge for you is to trust and have faith in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of the resurrection. My challenge is to allow God to speak to you, to open your heart to the truth of the gospel, to the transformational power of a relationship with Jesus. As we move on in our quick exploration of the relationship between Peter and Jesus, and in turn us, as we put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, we see that Peter always seemed to be the one in the middle of some of Jesus' most well-known miracles. He is the one beside Jesus as he feeds thousands of people with two loaves and one fish. Sorry, five loaves and two fish. He is with Jesus as the lame man is lowered from the rooftop. He is with Jesus constantly. He is in the inner room as Jesus raises a girl from the dead. He is the one who gets out of the boat in a, in a storm to follow Jesus. Peter experienced firsthand what a life looked like both before and during a relationship with Jesus. Before Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. He was just like any of us, living out his life with his family. Jesus showed up and changed Peter's life. Peter was receptive to the call and chose to follow Jesus. Again, as we continue in the story of Peter and Jesus, we are brought to what Easter is all about. This, is what, this brings us to what Good Friday is all about, to what resurrection is all about, the resurrection is all about. As we continue on in the life of Jesus and in turn in the life of Peter, as he is in relationship with Jesus, this is where it gets real. In Matthew 14, 12 to 21, it's written that Jesus has dinner with his 12 disciples. And during this meal, Jesus outlines that he will be killed and betrayed. He goes on to talk about how uh, what we now call communion, 
this moment where Jesus asks his disciples to remember him by eating bread and drinking the cup. Today, as Christians, we continue to do this. Finally, as the night goes on, Jesus foretells of the fact that Peter, his best friend, his closest confidant, will deny him three times. Jesus foretells this in Luke 22:31 to 24. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Peter, the one who in many ways was one of Jesus' most uh, close friends, refuses to believe that he will deny Jesus. He claims that he is ready to go with Jesus both to prison and to death if he had to. Remember this as we continue. I want to stop here in this part of the story and relate it back to us. How many of us here today say, God, I will never stop following you. But then we continue our day and we lie to our boss. We say, God, I am with you always, yet in that same day we go to a restaurant and and choose not to pray because the server is there and you don't want to look like those weird people in the place. Maybe you're at school or work and your coworkers are inviting you to a party and you try to say you do not want to go and they ask you why and you make up an excuse other than admitting that it is because you are a Christian. Whatever it is, Peter was in the same boat. When faced with Jesus, while everything was going fine, when he was right beside Jesus, when his faith was not tested, he was able to say, absolutely not, Jesus, I will never deny you. It's easy to say we will not deny Jesus when everything is good, when we are with people that agree with us. It's a lot harder to back those words up in the middle of a storm. Peter shows us this, and it leads us to the question, if you were right beside Jesus, would you be able to look him in the eye and say, I will always be with you. I will never deny you. The story continues with Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows uh, what is about to come. You can read about this story in Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Jesus asks his disciples, he asks Peter to stay up with him and pray. He even pulls Peter, James, and John aside his inner circle and and explains to them that his heart is heavy. He asks Peter and two others to stay here and watch. He gives them a task, and once again, they let him down and they fall asleep. It's easy to look at this and think, man, the disciples were terrible. They kept messing up. I think this sounds so familiar. Jesus asks us to do things and we do not do it. We mess up. We fall asleep. We refuse to go up to that person that we know needs to be talked to or is needing somebody or is needing a friend or is needing to hear Jesus. We refuse to go to church just because we don't feel like it. We don't choose to honor Jesus because it's not the cool thing in that moment. It's easy to point blame at the disciples here, to point blame at Peter, but when we look at our own lives, lives, realize that we would not have done any better due to our sin. Jesus is let down countless times, and, what, and yet what does Jesus do? Right in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Rise, let's keep going. Jesus shows us an immense amount of patience and an undeserving amount of grace. A relationship with Jesus shows us that even though we are undeserving, even though we mess up, even though we fall asleep, even though we take our eyes off Jesus, even though we claim we will never deny Jesus, 
Jesus is always there to continue the journey alongside of us. Jesus, fully man, understood our sinful desires, our sinful nature, yet he never sinned. He can relate to us. He related to Peter and shows constant grace to us, just as he did Peter. A relationship with Jesus is one that we do not deserve, but one that never ceases to show us God's love and God's grace. God did not have to send his son Jesus. God did not have to do any of this, yet he chose to. He chose to because he loves us wholeheartedly. God wants us, or God wants to reconcile us to himself and use his only son to do so. Despite us messing up, despite the disciples falling asleep and questioning him. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you can think about those times where you mess up. God's grace is for you and is there because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you have faith, but you do not live it out. God's grace is for you and is there because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And maybe you do not believe at all. God's grace is for you and is there because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Peter shows us what a relationship with Jesus looks like, but he also shows us what our sinful desires, our sinful nature looks like. God's grace was there for Peter and is here for us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The story continues once again with Jesus being betrayed and arrested. We, we talked about this during Good Friday. Just as Jesus foretold, he died a brutal death on the cross. Jesus had to die in order to be resurrected. As Jesus' trial was going on, our story takes us back to Peter. Peter is confronted. Peter is confronted three times, just as Jesus foretold. Remember when he said, I will never deny you, Jesus? Well, this is the story that we get to hear. Luke 22, 54 to 62 recounts this story, and I want to read this one. Then they seized him and led him away. Bringing, bringing him into the high priest's house, him being Jesus. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord looked, turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Three times Peter is confronted. Peter, who had no idea what was going on, who was faced with an immensely hard time watching his mentor, watching his friend, watching his savior, be arrested, be ridiculed, be sentenced to death, is challenged. Peter being terrified. Peter not wanting to be found out. Peter not wanting people to know that he was a follower of Jesus. Peter who conforms to his sinful desires of hiding and not allowing his relationship with Jesus to be found out. Chooses not once, not twice, but three times to deny Christ. What happens next is incredibly powerful. In that moment, 
In that moment that Peter denies Jesus for the third time and the rooster crows as Jesus foretold. In that moment, in that same period when Jesus is sentenced to death, and I was, uh, I was talking to my dad who just came back from Israel a couple months ago and he was in this exact uh, place. And when, when you read it in the Bible, you think it's, it's a bigger space. But the courtyard and where Jesus was on trial was literally the size of this sanctuary. So Jesus is on trial And Peter is denying Christ in that exact same proximity. And in that moment, as the rooster crows, in Luke 22, verse 61, it says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Jesus and Peter make eye contact. Imagine being Peter, watching your Savior be sentenced to death. And during this, you deny your Savior three times. Jesus and Peter's eyes meet. I can just imagine the pain in Jesus' eyes and the sorrow that Peter feels in that moment. Peter let his Savior down. This would have been a crushing blow to, to Peter who bailed on Jesus just as he predicted, who denied Christ right in front of Jesus himself. Jesus looks at Peter in that exact moment. You know what? You and I let... Let Jesus down every day. This story hits home for me. When we deny Christ, imagine Jesus' eyes meeting yours. What do you do? The reality is that we are no better than Peter. I just picture choosing to settle for what the world wants of me, for choosing fear, for choosing sin, and then picturing the broken eyes of Jesus himself staring at me. Every day... Literally every day, how are you denying Christ? Every one of us here, when you truly ask yourself, can answer this. Maybe you are a Christian, you have been your entire life, and yet you still have that thing that you're stuck doing. You still lie all the time to make yourself feel better. You still watch pornography at night. You still get drunk. You still refuse to tell some coworkers or classmates that you're a Christian. You choose to not pray. You say you don't need to spend time with God. You allow your brain to take over your life. You watch that show or listen to that song you know you shouldn't be watching. Whatever it is, and trust me, I'm right there with you, with my own struggles, is denying Christ. We deny Christ every time we sin. Even though we tell Jesus we are with him always, we deny Christ. And Jesus is staring, looking at you. Maybe you are... Maybe you are a Christian or you have a belief in God but do not have a relationship with God. Maybe you accepted Jesus as a child but then the rest of your life you've slipped away and you really, when you think about it, do not follow Christ on a daily basis. You come to church but spend the rest of your week partying, spend the rest of your week swearing, whatever it is. That is denying Christ. That is you saying, Christ, I know you but right now I don't need you. Maybe you are simply ashamed of having any faith and you do not live it out because you don't want to be that guy in the room. That is you denying Christ. That is you giving into fear, giving into sin. That is you, as Peter did when confronted, when in a storm saying, I don't know him. Maybe you are going through terrible times, and trust me, I'm not up here to try and say I can relate to every hard time that is going on right now. Maybe you're going through a challenge, a death, a mistake, a divorce, a kid that's ditched God, 
whatever it is, because of this hardship, you blame God and choose to give up on God. That is denying Christ. Maybe you've been hurt by other Christians. Maybe you've been hurt by the church and you decide to not associate yourself with Christians. You blame God for the hurt. You distance yourself from God. That is you denying Christ. Sure, the hurt is there, but using that as a reason to bail on Christ is a denial of Christ. Finally, maybe you are only sitting here this morning because it's a holiday and your family begged you to come, but you really have no desire to be here. You do not know God. You've never heard about a relationship with God. Maybe you, maybe you have heard this truth, but you have no desire to accept it. You have no desire to know Christ. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because, again, you were hurt as a kid, um, you felt God abandoned you. Maybe that's because you don't want to have a bunch of rules hanging over you. Maybe that's because you did not grow up with it and you simply don't know. Maybe you are absolutely in no way wanting anything to do with God. I'm here to say that is denying Christ. Every single one of these scenarios is denying Christ. Whether we are Christians, whether we are atheists, whatever it is, every single one of these moments, and I'm sure I'm missing hundreds, thousands, countless ones, is denying Christ. We are no better than Peter. Jesus is looking at us. Jesus is staring into our eyes. Jesus was not crucified because he did anything wrong. Jesus was crucified because of our own sins and our own denials of him. I can just imagine the thoughts in Jesus' eyes as he stares at Peter. I can just picture Jesus being broken, being sentenced to death, thinking as he looks at Peter, I am doing this for you. Peter is overcome with grief and sorrow and guilt. Jesus is looking into our eyes right now, every time we deny Christ, and is saying, I did this for you. Jesus died for us, just as much as he died for Peter. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. And Jesus knew that it, it, that it is in that moment that the cross, that his death was needed. The same need for the cross is in our lives this morning. I'm here to say this morning, and if you only listen to this one thing, please let it be this. Jesus did not come to judge us for our denials. He did not come to fill our minds with guilt. Jesus did not come to give us a set of rules. Jesus came to redeem our denials, to redeem our sins, and to provide us with a bridge to God, to provide us with salvation that we do not deserve. Sure, in order to be redeemed, we have to be aware of how we deny Christ. Jesus came to link us to God despite our denials through grace. Jesus came to link us to God, to redeem us despite our constant letting down of him. Jesus came to get a hold of our lives. Jesus died for us. Jesus is looking at our eyes, looking into our eyes right now and saying, I did this for you. But yet we so often ignore it. We so often choose to not believe it. We so often uh, leave this place and go off and, and go live our non-Christian life or keep making all these mistakes, ignoring the fact that Jesus did all this for us. We don't allow it to change our lives. Our denials of Christ are there. Jesus came to die so that he could be resurrected and through it all link us to God himself. 
The resurrection is literally the most important moment in history. And one of the most important, and sorry, the most important moments in eternity. Because of a relationship with Christ, all who believe live in eternity with Jesus. When we deny Christ, as Peter did, logic would dictate that it's over. Sin separates us from God. Our denials separate us from God. When Peter denied Christ, he was separated from God. That is a reason why he wept. Again, Peter did not have the benefit of knowing that Jesus would rise from the dead. Sure, Jesus foretold that as well, but Peter would have been filled with no hope after just breaking the heart of his Savior. We today have the privilege of knowing what happened three days later. When we deny Christ, we are separated from God and do not deserve to be in relationship with God. Guess what? The story does not end here. The story does not end here for Peter, and the story does not end here for us. Resurrection was coming. Sunday was coming. Three days pass, and we can fill in some of the time. We know that for Peter, he wept. He was broken. For other uh, disciples, they simply hung out in houses in disbelief. Three days later, Jesus, after being buried in a tomb, after bleeding so much that only water was left in him, after being stabbed in the side to make sure he was fully dead, was buried in a tomb and sealed with guards in front. Three days later, Jesus comes back to life. The power of sin and death was defeated. Three days later, redemption, salvation was available to all who believe. Three days later, Peter's chance at redemption, forgiveness, and salvation was begun. Three days later, our chance for redemption, forgiveness, and salvation was created. Again, this is a long story, but we know that Mary and two other women were the first ones to encounter a risen Jesus. They ran to tell the disciples. Peter was included in this. As we continue in this story, we see Peter in Luke 24, verse 12. says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Imagine being Peter. After breaking the heart of Jesus, after looking in the Savior's eyes, after denying him, Peter, hearing the news of Jesus' resurrection, runs to the tomb. Peter's heart was longing for a chance at redemption. Peter was longing for salvation, longing for salvation, longing for a hug from his Savior. Are you longing for a chance to redeem your life this morning? Are you longing for a chance to receive salvation this morning in the only way possible? Regardless of what you have done, is your heart ready to experience the truth of the resurrection and the redemption and salvation that it offers to all those who believe? Peter runs to the tomb and sees only the linen and clothes that Jesus was buried in, but no body. Again, as we put ourselves in Peter's shoes, Peter is longing to be redeemed, to be forgiven. We continue in the story, and again, I'm summarizing, but you can find this part in John 21. A few days pass, and Peter has gone back to fishing. This is where the story comes full circle. Peter, who would have had this hole in his heart, being confused, being broken, um, trying to figure it all out, went back to the only thing that he really knew, fishing. Jesus appears on the beach, and keep in mind, this is how Jesus first appears um, way back when Jesus first appears uh, on the beach to Peter. Jesus appears on the beach, calls out to Peter and those that were with him. 
What does Peter do as soon as he realizes that it is Jesus himself talking to him? John 21.7 says that Peter threw himself into the sea and swam to Jesus. Peter literally runs or swims to Peter, or sorry, to Jesus. Peter is looking for salvation. He is looking for redemption. His heart is ready. He is longing to make right his denial. He is longing to to make right his sins. After Peter runs to Jesus, they have lunch together along with other disciples. And I can just picture this. Peter shaking. Peter marveling at Jesus himself. Peter longing to talk to Jesus and make his denials right, make his sins right. John 21, 15 to 17 is how we're going to conclude this this morning. Jesus asks Peter to go for a walk. It says, uh, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This conversation between Jesus and Peter is the epitome of why Jesus had to die and be resurrected. Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him. All three times, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I do. Peter in this moment, because Jesus was resurrected, was able to be redeemed and forgiven. It is solely through the grace of God, through Jesus' death and resurrection. In this moment, despite Peter's denials, Jesus looks at Peter right in the eyes and asks, Do you love me? For Peter, the answer was clear. Peter was saved. Peter was forgiven because he believed he confessed. Peter would go on to live the rest of his life for Jesus despite conflict and persecution and is living in eternity today. As we conclude this morning, between you and God, right here, right now, picture yourself walking on the beach beside Jesus. Maybe you have made a mistake and denied Jesus in some way. Maybe you've been distant from Jesus for a while. Maybe you are living your life far off from Jesus. Maybe you have lived your entire life not wanting anything to do with Jesus. In this moment, as you picture yourself walking on the beach beside Jesus himself, Jesus is asking you right now, do you love me? Jesus is looking you in the eye. Jesus is extending the invitation to be redeemed He's extending the invitation to be reconciled, to be made whole, to be forgiven, no matter what you have done. No matter how far off you have been, no matter how many times you deny him, Jesus, because he was resurrected, because he bridges the gap between us and God through the death on the cross and his resurrection, is extending an opportunity to be redeemed. All you have to do is look back into Jesus' eyes and say, yes, Lord, I love you. All you have to do is believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And then live it out. Then you can be saved. Then you can be forgiven. 
then you can be redeemed no matter what and live eternity with Jesus. That is the power of the resurrection. Peter accepted it. Peter was redeemed by it. Are you? Are you able to say, yes, Jesus, you know that I love you? Let's pray. Father God, Jesus, you are in this room with us this morning. You sent your only son for us, who died a brutal death, who didn't have to die, but died because you love us, and because that's the only way we can achieve relationship with you. Father God, I pray for every single one of us in this room. I pray that we can experience your love, but that we can accept that invitation. For some of us here, maybe we've accepted it, and we just have that thing that we're stuck doing. Lord, I pray that you forgive us. I pray that we ask for forgiveness, that we turn and look you in the eye and say, I'm sorry, and know that you love us and that you've forgiven us. For others here, Lord, I just pray that that your Holy Spirit, that you will just flow into the lives and that your invitation, your invitation to have relationship, to live eternity with you will not fall on deaf ears. I pray that anyone here that doesn't know you can accept it, can transform their life by your grace and by what you, by what you did on the death or on the on the cross lord thank you father god thank you amen